Hello, this is Real History. I'm Melissa. Today is Thursday, November the 16th, 2023. And how time flies. I am joined today by Adam. And you might recall that Adam is from New Zealand and he has been living in Germany for the last, well, five, six years, I think. And so Adam had told me not too long ago that if I ever needed a last minute fill in slot and that he had a idea that had been kicking around in his head that he wanted to talk about. I have no idea what that idea is. And it is actually Wednesday before this goes up tomorrow. So it's all quite spontaneous and I'm excited to be talking about something that is going to be a total surprise for me. So, hey, Adam. Hi, great to be back on. Good to speak to you again, Liz. Nice to talk to you. And I just wanted to say really quickly that we messaged back and forth. I, I, I hate that kind of new speak. We sent messages to one another. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked you how you were recovering from your spinal surgery, and you said that it was going really well, and I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, the It took some time, and I'm not – I mean, it's still it's still ongoing, the, the, the full regaining of strength and everything like that. But but yeah, I've I've come a long way since I, since where I was when we started doing these little talks, which was like I think that the first time we, we spoke and did a Skype call was was just before I went into hospital. So right. that must have been about six six or seven months ago. Now mm-hmm. that was in April, early April. So, That's yeah. right. Yeah. So well, I'm glad to hear that, and you're back at work, and you've got your furniture refinishing projects, which are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's all going, um, yeah, it's all going pretty well, I have to say. Um, there's hurdles, of course. <laughs> I mean, I won't get into all that now, but, um, on the, on the whole, it's going pretty, pretty well. And we are now planning for a holiday, uh, in New Zealand over Christmas. Ah. And this, this will be the first time I've been home in five years. And ah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen, well, I've seen, my dad's been over here twice. My sister's kept, been here once but apart from that i haven't seen my family for five years not not since before all the COVID stuff yeah so that's going to be it's kind of a big deal yeah, yeah and and so, most of your family has not met your girlfriend your, no so. nobody well not nobody my father and my, my sister have because they've, yeah. they've come over here to stay with us but but the yeah, majority yeah. Is, yeah yeah nope they haven't met her so that's great yeah yeah <clears throat> So that's that. We are we are leaving in about five weeks. We will be staying in New Zealand. We'll be arriving just before Christmas, staying for about a month. Oh, that's um, wonderful, so Adam. I will have Christmas with my family, and then I will also have my 40th birthday uh, with my family, which also happens to be my daughter's sixth birthday, and she uh. will also be there. Yeah, so it's 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 yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Got a lot going. Oh, that's a lot going on to plan for all this. Um, wow. yeah. that's great though. That's neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's stressful. Though. It's a lot of it's a lot of planning and logistics to work out. So, yeah, dealing with um, one one girlfriend and an ex girlfriend and a small child and trying to make all that work. It's like it's not <laughs> easy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. 
Oh, that's good. Well, I hope it's a great trip, and I'll look forward to hearing about it when when you return. But, yeah, for sure, absolutely. So you said that you, yeah, this idea that's kicking around in your head, I'm I'm ready to hear about it. Yeah, basically, in a nutshell, this, there's a there's a ter- if, if anybody's been watching like the uh, the so-called alternative media scene on on like on YouTube and a few other places. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is the, the authorized version. So the, the, the people like George Peterson, Stephen Crowder, you've got Ben Shapiro, you've got Brett Weinstein, his brother Eric Weinstein, all these, all these people, they call, they call themselves the intellectual dark web or whatever. They, these, these are, well, we can get into what they are and they aren't. And I guess that's the whole topic of the discussion, but they, they, there's, there's a very interesting word which has been used more and more frequently over the past few years, basically since the start of the COVID thing, and it's the word capture. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about what that means, and maybe we can get to the bottom of it, um, because this is a very important distinction. Um, that is not be, Well, it's a distinction that's not being made, that should be made, and it's a, it's a term which is kind of loaded and weaponized, and yeah, it's it makes makes me think about Alan a lot because Alan, when Alan came on the scene, in in like 2006 onwards, the big point that he made was that this was a big global system. It was a global agenda, and it did not start yesterday. It did not just start with 9/11 and the Patriot Act and all that stuff. That's where everybody was at prior to Alan coming on the scene. It was all what did he call it again? Naval gazing? That mm-hmm. the Patriots were naval gazing? That's yeah, right. something like that. That's exactly yeah. And so what we're seeing now is and this relates to a whole bunch of other things which we, we can we can get into, but perhaps we can get to the bottom of that because yeah, what what does that word mean? Because it's it's quite a powerful word and it is the it's the leading it's the it's the word that we are being told to use and to define what's happening. And the word is totally inaccurate. So I wanted to talk about that, and I sort of wanted to talk about, yeah, this, this kind of whole... Well, let's start, uh, let's start with the word. The word is capture. Yeah. And yeah. Y- you think that that is inadequate to describe these voices that are in the so-called alternative? Well, what, what they're saying is that they, and there's a, there's a few sort of key people in this, but it's, it's, it's really taken off. It's become a, a meme. It's become sort of a, a meme. It's sort of spread and it has caused, it is, it is the most popular word that seems to be used to define what has happened with the COVID thing over the past three years. Like we had all of these institutions that were based on our cherished Western democratic principles or, or whatever. Right. And what's happened with COVID, the reason that everything got so completely out of control and tyrannical and, you know, we took the lockdowns, the vaccine mandates, the, the censorship, the, the shutting down of, yeah, the, you know what I'm saying, all of the, the totalitarianism that came in through COVID. And this, of course, ties into all the, the, the politically correct work stuff as well. The, the, the people that have been well, the people that have basically been put 
put out there for us to follow a saying, a, a telling us basically that this has just happened overnight. Okay. All right. I I and I I do follow what you're saying, and I have to say it took me a, a couple of minutes to twig and get with it because I don't have time to pay much attention to uh, the alternative voices. So when you started on this thread, I thought that you were talking about the actual, you know, so-called alternative voices as having been captured but i what you're (laughs) saying yeah so but i'm with you now you're what you're saying is that these voices refer to covid and all of the institutions around it like the world health organization the cdc or whoever your body is as having been captured exactly okay i I don't pay a huge amount of attention to them either, and I really do stay away from most of the stuff most of the time. But I do I check in on it. I do, and yeah. I, you know, I try to. I just my, you know, own personal life and the has uh, <laughs> it's taken over, so to speak, for yeah. a while. And I have had a hard time juggling even just the occasional peek in to hear or see what's going on. But I like this. Okay, so capture, yes, that's a very weak word. I just quickly looked it up. To take captive as by force or craft, seize, to gain possession or control of as in a game or contest, to attract and hold. Okay, one of the reasons why I don't spend very much time at all listening to alternative voices is because I like... um I like to keep things really simple, and I don't want to say take shortcuts, but maximum efficiency. And for me, maximum mm-hmm. efficiency is to listen to Alan as much as yeah. I possibly have time because I find his him to be timeless. And I, the, an example is something, the audio that I put up on the weekend was from 2012. In it, he was talking about Israel. Hamas, Iran, and depopulation. And I thought, you know, literally, except for a few little topical news stories that he read from, this could have been recorded today. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that that is because, well, we could say that Alan's voice was not captured, if that's a good word, but he certainly was not compromised. And see... I knew him. I, I don't know Brett Weinstein. I, I, I can't even, I don't even have a visual on him or, you sure, know, Ben yeah. Shapiro is kind of like, yeah, okay, he's a little more popular. So I've, I've, I've at least heard the name more. And, and Weinstein I've heard, but I have no idea what they're on about. But what I do know is that these voices that have many hundreds of thousands of followers or millions or whatever, um, they, they have teams of producers behind them. They have a, a spin that they're doing. And you know from your own life and your own experiences how difficult the task is of staying on top of, let's say, even just one piece of the agenda. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now we yeah. have all these yeah. voices. I'm happy. I, I'm thinking right now, of a voice that um, came out in the last several years, and I'll just call him the horse breeder. 
And oh that, yeah, that, I, know. That, I, you know what? I knew exactly <laughs> who you were going to mention. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 um, I get a lot of different things that I don't have time to pay much attention to. But this morning, and that's one of the things on Substack that I get. And it's almost always delete, 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 delete. But there was something about the um, and the title of the Substack that that made me want to look at it. And the the whole article was about breeding and how it applied to homesteading and the small farmer, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about it. Because really, what does this have to do with homesteading, huh? <laughs> So anyway, to me, this is a perfect example of the kinds of voices that we have been given in the last now going on four years, and they are experts on everything. And mm-hmm. what, and, and again, people would say, oh, so and so, Dr. So and so in the UK, he just, he sits there in his chair and everything he says is amazing and he really gets this. And I, years ago, listened to him and I thought, well, nothing that you're saying, not one thing is fresh. You know, Alan said it 20 no. years ago, 30 years ago. No. And that's not an indictment on the gentleman sitting in the chair. It's just the observation that you're a little late to the party. This, those, that is the word, that is the exact phrase that I, that I have in my head when I listen to these people. And of course, I know exactly who you're talking about. And I say, I think to myself, this is great. I'm not, gonna dis- I'm not disagreeing with this, but man, you're late to the party. Mm-hmm. You're way, way late to the party. You know, and, and this is kind of what I feel when I hear certain figures talking about. Well, they're using this term capture, and it's like, okay, if 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 that is what you're saying, if this is what you believe, then can we get into exactly what has been captured, how, by whom, and when did it happen? And they'll never ever go there. No, it's like no. how long how long are you going to keep using this word without before you define exactly what it is that you mean by this? Because apart, because aside from that, it's useless. This idea that people, that listeners have, especially, and I shouldn't say listeners, people. When people are on a journey and they want to know truth, they want to understand reality, the very first thing that happens to them when they start to catch on is they want everyone to know Mm. and they somehow want to fix it, turn it Mm. around, and stop it. And the key, a lot of people get, that that's them gone. That's them off the battlefield if they can't get past that. Because there has to be, yeah, you've got to get to the point where you understand it's an ancient agenda, and that takes you deeper and deeper. And so these alternative voices are really good at keeping people in as it's what it really is is navel gazing yeah because then all they're doing is looking at the so-called capture right or the so-called yeah. deep state or you know yeah. what <laughs> you know the so-called cabal what you know whatever we want to call it that's what they spend their time looking at 
And Alan has had so many years, remember, and that he was writing and talking in the late 90s. He'd yeah, had yeah. years before that of, you know, kind of small group teaching and one-on-one, so he had a very calm, good way of putting this across. But what he was always saying is, let's remember that this is an ancient agenda. His message continued to be the individual, the individual, the individual. And what are you doing? What changes are you making? And that is what is entirely missing, whether it's the, the, the people that you have mentioned, many of whom I haven't spent very much time listening to if I've heard them at all. But I know the type, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know the type. Just, just think the type that's, that's, that's supposedly censored, like horse breeder, and yet, has like the most famous. These are the most watched people on YouTube. That's so right. They'll, That's right. They'll complain that they're like getting censored, except for the fact that they're on the biggest video sharing platform on the planet. So yeah, <laughs> there's a type for sure. Yeah. yeah. But but as to the word capture, yes, that completely steers you off in the wrong direction because. The institutions were, for the most part, created for the purposes that they're serving right now. So they weren't just taken over, they were built, they were designed for the ends that they are serving. And this is, this is something that, this is a point that Alan made over and over again, and so I, I, that's just why I wanted to talk, talk about it with you today. It's, I mean, it's like, Alan would say, well, People, people want to, to stop the clock, you know, or just go back to the good old days or whatever, you know, nobody can really define, everyone's got their own version of what that is. Um, and so it's sort of ill-defined. And yet this is literally what people are saying really when they use the word capture. What they're saying is everything was fine up until a certain point. I can't define what that point was. I can't define how it was good then and it was you know, you know why it's not not good now. Yeah, it's 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 completely completely inadequate, and it's it's like you say, it's this is this is you if you believe this, and and if you're you're out of the game, you're out of the fight, you've been disabled, you've been, yes. you've been neutralized, you know. And, and it's like well, yeah. So. And it's what's so crafty about that is that this is by design. Mm-hmm. The, this yeah. is a technique, and I'm, of course, I'm not saying that everyone who, uh, who talks about capture, that all of these voices, I'm not painting them all with a controlled opposition brush. But what I am saying is that there is something in human nature, even with sincere people, where they say, Oh, oh, okay, that's right, that makes sense, and so I'm in on it. It's kind of like, if you think about the music industry, you'll have really big bands that the producers choose, they groom, they give the band the name, they tell the band how they're going to dress. Mm -hmm. Then you have a lot of cookie cutters. Well, of course, all of those bands aren't totally controlled by the machine. You know, some of them kind of spring up. But what I'm saying is they have looked, you know, they've, they've seen, ah, that's who's... That's how we do it. Yeah. 
And this is how it's done. Yeah. So all you have to do is have a few key voices and a few key players that say, this is what we're talking about. This is the, these are the important issues and everybody follows along. And that is what I've observed for the last several years. And I think I say several years, I mean, it's probably, it's always been this way, but in this particular operation that we've been living through now for nearly four years, we see an amazing microcosm of how it works. And so you have all these voices yeah. that come out and they'll start a channel or they'll start a podcast or they'll start whatever. And they all look to someone else, to, you know, oh, what's so-and-so talking about? Okay, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, right. So that's what they focus on. So all you need is a few what you might call trend setters. The trend setters, exactly. And um, this... We, 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 we can see this even if we look back at the, the famous, famously declassified CIA programs like Mockingbird, where it was literally just a case of how, how, what do we have to do to get everybody on board? How many papers or media outlets do we have to control to set the tone for the whole country? That's right. right? Or the whole world even. You know? yeah. And, I mean, we, we, are long, <laughs> we are long past the point uh, where that became a reality, you know? It's all, it's good vibes. Everybody's smiling. They're all congratulating one another and give, feeding each other compliments. And, and every, yeah, they're having a good time and making a bit of money. You know what I mean? So even that alone, the economic incentive to stay in that little, in that little fence and do what everybody else is doing and talk about what, if, about what everybody else is talking about. That's going yes. to be incentive enough. Absolutely. Know. And, you know, in, in the spring of 2022, a listener sent me a couple of tickets to go to an event that was in Dallas, which is, you know, a little over an hour away. And um, Weston was here helping with the website at, at the time, and he and I went up, and it was a day-long event. And they were big names. I won't say who they are, but they were all big names that were weighing in on the the operation. Now, what was interesting mm -hmm. to me was that, it, oh, it was a really expensive event, too. I was grateful to the listener for giving me the opportunity to be there. <laughs> but one, it was supposed to be at a really high-end kind of convention center. And then, and so was it bait and switch? We don't know. Because literally at the last minute, two days before the event, they moved it to a church, a, a small church, as opposed to yeah. this big, lush convention center. And they said it was because they didn't have the people, the bodies, and the seats. And, and there, it wasn't a huge audience, to be sure. But the other kind of bait-and-switch part of it was that two or three of the big names, and if I you'd you'd really recognize... The gravel, okay, yeah. you know, the gravelly voiced woman who had started working for Dr. Ouch, uh, you know, and she made it, she was on the circuit, you know, so I, 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 you know, it was big and they weren't there. Okay. And I took an opportunity on a break to inquire as to why some of these names weren't there. And I got an earful of, oh, well, she's controlled opposition and he's controlled opposition and, and what I realized from the man who was telling me that everybody was controlled opposition was that the whole presentation that I sat through for almost 10 hours was, I would call it, she blinded me with science. 
It was right. okay, so it was meant to overload you. It was right. meant right. to overload you. It was meant to impress you. Oh, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and I have three degrees in such and such, and you'll never be able to keep up, but I'm going to pretend, wink, wink, that I'm here to help. Right. This right. is how okay. these this is how these events seem to be. But like you said, it's all feel good, and they wheel out the the lunch at you know at the lunch break, and and this is where your you know really expensive ticket comes in. Look, you got some catered Mexican food. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And what has accomplished? Yeah, nothing. Um, um, feelings of community and uh, uh, fun, I guess. And this is, yeah, like you say, this is that's just what it's also about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is for a lot of people, it's a social club thing, and it's we're all in the same team. We're at, we've got our community, and we're all doing well. We're all successful. We're all making a bit of money. We're all, you know, we're all having a good time. You know, we're doing well. Mm-hmm. You know. What did, what did Alan always say about religions, or ch- at least a lot about Christianity, was that it was more of a social club for most people? Well, he know? absolutely, he, he said this repeatedly um, to people that he spoke with, to one-on-one or by email. Modern Christianity is really yeah. just a social club. Yeah. And I've thought about this too before because it could be said about anything, but if you, you know, if one goes out and says, I'm a Christian, well, then it's got all of this meaning that is wrapped around it, but, but it's meaningless because are you a Protestant? Are you a Catholic? Are you Russian Orthodox? Are you Greek Orthodox? Are you a dispensationalist? Are you a, uh, do you believe in the rapture? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's endless. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what you are doing is, you know, you're putting that brand on yourself, you know, the cross or the fish or whatever. I'm a Christian. And then you hope that that, you know, that gives you entree into the club. And then you're with like-minded people. And, you know, I mean, I had this happen to me uh, recently where you know somebody just said oh oh you know you're a christian and it wasn't a a bad thing in other words she was saying you're you're like me and i was thinking well no you know i'm (laughs) actually i'm not (laughs) yeah but i mean it's pointless because this was just a, a kind of a social thing that you run into with somebody and it's a childhood and they don't know, you know, they don't know you from Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, look, um, I, I, I take the point you're making there. It reminded me of, um, something else I noticed recently when I was just sort of, again, I'm just kind of checking in on some of this stuff. These, these authorized heroes of YouTube, the, the so-called alternative types. And, um, Again, one of the main uh, problems for me and, and one of the signs that something is being compromised or is otherwise useless is that they're still playing party politics and trying to put people into left-right groupings, you know what I mean? So it's it, it, it right back into, it's like we, 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 for a while there, we were sort of talking with a bit more scope, maybe looking at things on more of a global level, looking at this as a global agenda. People were talking about the World Economic Forum and things like that. Um, 
And then now that the COVID thing's sort of blown over, so to speak, at least for now, we're straight back into left and right. And it's the left that's doing this and it's the left that's doing that. We've got to get the left. And then, and now of course that the, the, the greatest, the, the conflict to end all conflicts has re-erupted in the Middle East. I mean, we're straight back into, um, you know, which team are you on and the left's doing this and the right's doing that and everybody's, yeah, I mean, it's all over the place, but, um, it, it's the, the pigeonholing. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the oldest, oldest trick in the book, really. And it's amazing to see that these people who we are supposed to believe, we are supposed to believe are leading us out of the confusion, are leading people straight back into left wing, right wing, petty politics and the, the, Again, the the Israel Palestine thing and any other division you, you care to think of, you know. You're absolutely right. I mean, just take a look at uh, probably one of the most vocal. Uh, you know, that man who was a member of that clan who had two of their clansmen assassinated for their, you know, during their public service. He's the champion of the people during this operation. And, well, that's the most crystal clear example of left-right politics navel-gazing. Here we are back again. Vote for me. Exactly. And he's the new hero, right? Yeah. He's the new hero. Absolutely. Yeah. And the people, the people who I'm talking about, who I checked in on this afternoon, even in particular, are, yeah, the love to name drop. This particular individual, you know? Yes. Um, as, as if uh, we're, we're friends, you know, and there's, there are connections there. Well, yeah, I don't know what that means, but there's definitely, there are definitely family, uh, connections, background connections there to him and a lot of these other people. So, you know, this is a club as well. And Alan talked about that too. You know, and I, I didn't quite know what he meant by that sometimes, but, um, cause he was kind of always cryptic about it, but, um, over time, you know, when your gut is, when your gut's telling you something about somebody, oftentimes it is the case that, yeah, these, these people do, yeah, they do know each other. They are part of inside, inside the clubs. Yeah, that, that really happens, you know. A lot of the, the, the so-called, um, people's champions that are given out to us in the public uh, arena and who tell us that they are grassroots and I'm in it for the right reasons and I'm fighting the good fight. It's like, well, yeah, I, I think there's more to it than that, to be honest. And I don't know what that means in any, in each particular case, but, you know, I think there's more to it. I mean, just from the, the point of view of politics, there's nobody who's going to have a better understanding of the, the fact that this is a front for something larger than a second generation politician. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody yeah. who's been in that system, anybody who, if, if it would be possible to get a politician to be honest, then ha if they spent a significant amount of time there, then they would have to honestly tell you it doesn't work, not because it's been captured, but because it's designed not to work. It's the Punch and Judy. It's yeah. keeping people, you know, fighting and screaming while the agenda carries forward. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it, it, again, we go back to the, the conflict that's happening in the Middle, 
in the Middle East again. And I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's just amazing to watch how the people that, again, the people that have been put there for us to follow. I mean, Jordan Peterson, another, another good example has put this conference on in London, um, just, just last weekend or a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was. And so this is this sort of, I mean, what is it? I don't know how to describe it, but it's kind of a, it's basically conservative politics, you know? It's, it's conservative Western values, Christianity and capitalism, I would say, to sum it up, you know? And it's just, it's like this, this thing happens right around the time this, this thing in the Middle East happened. And it just so happens that all these people at this conference are very, very firm and staunch in their views about the situation in Israel and Gaza. Yeah, and I won't I won't go say any more than that on that particular topic, but the timing I find interesting. And I mean this conference that they had was called the Alliance of Responsible Citizens. Um so ARC, A R C ARC. <laughs> I mean you you can't make this stuff up, right? What it's it's like Jordan Peterson is doing interviews all of a sudden in the last few months with Benjamin Netanyahu. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where did this come from? How Mm -hmm. the hell? That's that's kind of, okay, this guy's clearly Mm -hmm. well-connected. So what's going on there? Mm -hmm. And now this thing happens in the Middle East, and the biggest biggest cheerleading group for, um, yeah, basically on the, we'll call it, for, for the state of Israel, is like that... That side of this, the, the, yeah, the conservative types, the, I guess you'd call them, yeah, what would you call them? I don't know. It's the, the what they, what they call the new right, I guess. Yeah. The old right. I don't know. I don't know what, what any well, of that stuff they, even means. Well, yeah. just like with everything else, they change it from time to time to throw you off. You, you just, when you were talking there about ARC, it reminded me of last week I was uh, updating the website and I noticed a block of text in the corner and I'm going to leave it there. But what happened when I looked at it, I thought, you know, I really should remove this because Alan has passed away and I should just take this text off the website. And I was going to do it. But when you were talking, it reminded me of the text, and now I, I think I've made the decision. I'm going to leave it there, period. But on the audio section, that'll take you into the audio archives where there's the listing of all of the different categories of Alan was on, you know, Sweet Liberty or Republic Broadcasting, whatever. In the upper left-hand corner, it said, because Alan is perfectly genuine, he has no agent right. or manager to arrange oh, yeah. radio interviews. He belongs to no group, sect, or political party. If you would like to hear him more often, you'll have to request the major talk show host to have him back. A mind with knowledge is a terrible thing to waste. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know that one. So I thought, yeah, it's, it's probably time for that one to go away. But since it's still there, I shared it with you because when you look at these alternative alt-right, these heroes that whatever, what you're going to find is they have agents. Mm -hmm. They have managers. They have teams. They have attorneys. They, they have producers and they usually have big teams. 
And that when you've got a team behind you, you've lost that, you've lost your agency. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? Free will. You've lost your free will. You've given your agency to an agency. And that's that's what we're looking at. Well, because it becomes about servicing a product. You know, now now you're in production. Now That's you've right. got um, people's wages to pay, and you've got stakeholders, financial stakeholders in what you're doing. And yeah, it's you're in business basically. Then. Mm-hmm. As soon as you've got a team, you're in business, and you've got to play by those rules. And the, the bottom line becomes the bottom line, and that's what that's why Alan was special. That's that's when that's why he was so unique, and that's why he was the most important voice in all of this you know so it's you know it's it's again i mean come come again come back around again to this idea of uh of capture and how this was something that alan tried so hard to talk about he perhaps didn't use that 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 word because it wasn't being said when alan was still alive it's just it's really the, the the concept of things being captured is very recent you know it's only really the past couple of years that that this this concept, this linguistic thing, has come into the mainstream. But what it's yeah, it's it's the basic fundamental idea that's being pushed. The message that you're getting is that we have all of these systems that uh, and these institutions, these Western what do you want to call them, Western democratic or religious institutions, that we ourselves created, and they are a triumph of of Western civilization and Western intellect. And they just got taken over. They've just been taken over, like in the last couple of years, by who? Do, by I don't know who, you know, mm-hmm. by somebody, by by the World Economic Forum, by Klaus Schwab, or whoever's been, whoever else has been circulated on the internet, you know. And so, so it sort of suggests that if we could just get rid of these people, you know what I mean? Then we'll get our institutions back. We need to, you know, it's it's like something's taken these things over. We've got some bad apples in there. We, we maybe need to perhaps, you know, like find them and I don't know, fire them, ask them to leave nicely. I'm not <laughs> sure what the plan is, but you know, uh, and, and we can then get back to some unspecified, unspecified ideal. Some, not, not, not everybody is saying it like that. I mean, there are some people I've heard talking about the fact that all of the, the institutions are, are irreconcilably Irretrievably corrupt, which I fun, which on a fundamental level we both agree with, and Alan would always say the same, you know. But of course, unless you define what that means and how it got to where it is now, it's it's pretty useless, you know. And what that does as well is it paves the way because uh, for, for the new system, because we know that part of the last few years and especially everything that's happening now is about destroying public faith in the, the, the current institutions. So on one hand, there are a lot of these voices out there who are trying to put out across or put across a message of, of conserving something, you know, so we can conserve these institutions that they're not broken necessarily, that they can be good if we, if we do X, Y, and Z, although they never they haven't got haven't gotten so far as to define what that means yet. But at the same time, there's also, also people saying that, yeah, that the, that they've become irretrievably corrupt. 
that if you don't explain what that means, how it got there, and what an alternative might might be, then it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a moot point. It's kind of pointless because all you're doing then is is well, you kind of it would seem to me, and maybe you disagree with this, but it seem it would seem to me that you are just you're paving the way for whatever has been planned as the replacement. Because we know it has been. We know that, as I said, a lot of this is to do with getting people to give up on the institutions so that we'll accept whatever comes next. That is true. And again, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, it come it has to come back to the individual and individual responsibility because there can't be in an artificial system, and that, that is what Alan would talk about. I, I think I was listening to him do an old episode with Jackie, and he said once the once you've gone into the artificial city system, then you are on a road to just, you know, basically anything goes, anything can happen, because when you break away from nature and what is natural, then then all manner of aberrant behavior and anything is possible. Yeah, yeah. And Alan was, would always talk about that, like the, the, there are certain roads on which if you embark down them, you're on, now on a road with no turns. That's right. And there is there is an inescapable destination point there, you know. And people would say, well, what is, you know, the alternative? And he said, well, you know, the small tribe, et cetera, et cetera. Now, he wasn't saying that this was possible to go back to. But he said, you know, remember how he would say, they always give you the system that you're born into. And the propaganda around that is that that history could not have gone any other way. Civilization could not have gone any other way than the, except the direction that you see it moving in. And that's... that's Lenin, I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, was that Lenin that said that? I, <laughs> I, think, I think so. Memory, yeah, I yeah Alan, Alan repeated Lenin. I think you may have actually corrected me on it before. In my world, everything that was wise and wonderful came out of Alan's mouth. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing that he said to Jackie, I think this was in the series of talks that ultimately became the Waiting for the Miracle books, mm. was... And this was, when when I heard him say this, and I did not know him, I just knew that, that I was listening to someone, the likes of which, you know, I'd never come across. He said, they were talking about the stock market. It's possible that somebody had called into Jackie and was asking something about, you know, oh, a good way of investing or whatever. And Alan said, well, anything that you find in that system the profit is coming off of the the blood or the sweat or the tears or the suffering of somebody mm-hmm. and that that is just so amazing to me because it's true that the the entire money system is predicated on suffering somewhere by somebody. That's it. 
exploitation. It's predicated on exploitation. It's amazing because mm-hmm. Alan talked about this for years, and I got it, but also maybe didn't get it. I didn't quite get the depth of what he was talking about. And it's only really been now in the last year or so that I've been toying with the idea of starting a small business. It's like, wow, you, you really then get to grips with how the minute you go into that system and go into commerce on your own and go into and, 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 and have and have to combine what you're doing with this economic system, it corrupts it immediately. Immediately, like it's it's it, it, can, it can go it can be no other way. You know what I mean? Right. It's what you are. The minute you go into profit, into making making money, you are you're beholden to it in one way or another. Yeah. And I say, and, and everybody goes down the same path. It all goes down. Everybody who doesn't matter where you start out. If you go into the moneyed system, and you are successful, you will do so because you have, you put profit as the priority. You know? Yeah. And your integrity will suffer, and, I, but and it, you will be expo- exploiting somebody somehow, somewhere. You know. This is unfortunately this is the sad fact of life in this system is that it's we're we're all tainted by it. Yeah, we're all tainted by it. Yeah, totally. And you, and you and you see this um, again. We 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 go back to the authorized heroes of YouTube versus the way that Alan did it. You know, and Alan again, like you said, you wrote that. You just read that 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 quote from the site. He has no. He had no agent. It was never about money. He didn't charge for the bulk of what he was doing. It was it was only a nominal amount that he asked for so that he could get by. And donations and book sales and stuff like that. But the content, you know, the 99% of the content was free. That's right. You know, and, and it, you know, I, yeah. I'll just, I mean, I'll just say this right now, but you know, there, there, are, believe it or not, there are people that don't like me. That <laughs> was a joke. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> no, there are people that say, I, I've had it said that Alan brought me into his life because of my Hollywood connections and I was going to help him get on big shows. Now, if you look at the timing, Alan was on um, InfoWars and Coast to Coast, all of the big shows he did back in the early 2000s, 2006. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and Alan was the very first, uh, the very, almost the very first thing he said to me is, "This is not a business." No, he did. Um, the, the biggest thing I think Alan did, from uh, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, was the Prison Planet interview in 2009, and I still think that that was, you know, and I'm not trying to give too much credit to Alex Jones or anything like that, but that was an incredibly powerful interview, that two-hour two hour thing that he did. Well, it was, I, I mean, it was, it was, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away. This, I'm not bashing yeah. a big show. That's, that's not what I'm doing. But Alan had already done, he had already done the talks with, what I'm talking about is timing. In other words, I didn't help him get those big talks. His reputation was firmly established before he ever heard my name. Right? Yeah. So he right. was on with Alex in 2006. And yes, in 2009, um, Alex sent the crew up to Canada 
to yeah. film him. And they had f- at first suggested that they could film, uh, you know, at Alan's house. That was their suggestion. We can stay in town and then come out and film there. And there were a couple of reasons why Alan shot that down. First of all, privacy. Obviously, yeah. And that was a key, that was the number one thing. But then, you know, the excuse that he gave is I live in a shack and that was true. The double-edged sword of that, for folks who look at that interview, it's a beautiful, serene, really nice, and he's in front of the bookshelves and then he's out on mm-hmm. the pet. Well, that was a bed and breakfast. And I used to joke with Alan, I said, boy, yeah. you know, uh, here you are squeaking by and, you know, saying, you know, don't, don't forget to support, don't forget to support. And all over the internet, you know, th- there's this image of you like in a smoking jacket with, uh, dr- with suit. a brandy or your tweed suit or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, that's the old music, that's the old jazz un- musician's uniform, right? Mm-hmm. With the, with the hat, the Stetson hat and the tweed jacket yeah. and everything. I thought that was great. But no, that was a, that, you know, they actually shot hours and hours and hours of footage that, you know, there was a, like, at least a day and a half going on two day film shoot that got boiled down to the two hour interview that you find online and, you know, a couple of places it's been broken up. But that is like essential Alan Watt viewing. Oh, yeah. That's, that is, yeah, I think it's, I was thinking about that recently and I think it was the most important interview in this topic, in this area that's ever been done. I, I really believe that. I keep going back to it even now, today, mm-hmm. listen to it all the way through and I'll do it again soon. I'll just listen to the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Quite happily. No, it's, it is. Because with Alan, there's always more depth to uncover, always, so. Uh, that, yeah, that is an ama- that is an amazing thing about him. Yeah. But you're, well, you know, back to these voices just really quickly. I tend to, for at least the trendsetters, I ascribe nefarious intent. Mm-hmm. It's not benign to have people thinking about capture. That is not harmless. No. And to to say that you're someone who has a grasp on what is going on or the direction that we're being taken and you, you want to bandy about terms or concepts or groups like reimagining or the fourth industrial revolution or world economic forum or depopulation or eugenics or club of Rome or, you know, all of mm. these things, and I'm going to be straight up with you. And this, I'm, I'm going to give a nod to some people like Eustace Mullins. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I could, yeah. I, I could go on with, I could give a nod to a lot of people who, who were out there before, or Bill Cooper, or at the exactly, same time yeah. with Alan. But what I will say is that he, Alan, singularly introduced the alternative world, whether they know it or not, to the concepts of eugenics, depopulation, sustainability. And by singularly, I mean it was he who put 
the essence of the horror show into crystal clear, simple language, and he did it over and over and over again to always be reminding us history is a horror show. Mm-hmm. It's no. not a capture of no. recent, you know, recent institutions captured. Current, you know, institutions recently captured. No, it's a horror show. Yeah. And the reason that people don't don't want to go there, and perhaps this is maybe why you what you're thinking when you're talking about like this kind of intent to harm or malice, is like what we're seeing with all these authorized groups that have been put there for us. We're seeing people who have got fairly comfortable lives. You know what I mean? Yes. And the and to to look at the to, 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 to really confront that, that history has been a horror show, that this is an ancient agenda, that it didn't just start yesterday, you know, would, would, would mean, would be pretty uncomfortable for most people. They don't want to do that. All they want to do, it's like Alan said, Alan said this so many times, people get comfortable and maybe get, got a bit of, um, bit of affluence, bit of, a little bit of wealth. And all they want to do is hang on to that, and they don't care. They pretend they pretend that it's about principles, right? And they they toot their own trumpets about all of their so-called morals and values and all the rest of it, and how that they're fighting the good fight, and that they won't be compromised. But all I see with most of these people is is people who have, yeah, it's 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 like Alan said, like. I've I've got my little world which suits me now in this current phase of this agenda, and I and I just want everything to stay the way it is, and not get any worse. Just let me keep my my wealth and my my comfort zone, and you know don't don't show me anything too horrible, don't make me too uncomfortable, you know, and just let me stay comfortable. And I think unfortunately a lot of it is that as well. Weren't we talking about this in the first real history that we did of your your father's reaction? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were, and um, there have been subsequent discussions <laughs> since that point in time, and yeah, that's that's basically it. I think he is, as many people are. Really, just they 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 don't want to know. That's that's it. That's that simple. That's I don't want to know the yucky. I, don't show me the yucky stuff. I will. I will. I'll, keep, I'll put my head down. And I'll earn some money, and the more money and I earn, will create more of a buffer zone between me and the horrors of reality. And I will just stay here as long as I can. You know. I understand that. I, I mean, I understand that. I, I have lived that. Yeah. I, I think that that is, you know, whatever you want to call it, waking up, coming out of Babylon, you find the language, you describe it for yourself, but it's the human condition for most people is, or, or as Alan would often say in one word, egocentonic. Egocentonic, exactly. Very, very particular term there. It's not mm-hmm. egocentric. No. It's similar, but it's not, it's not the same. It's a different, right. different term. 
a slightly different meaning, which is a little bit more nuanced. And Alan was very particular about that word. You know? Yes, he was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but this is exactly it. This is exactly it. You know, it's and I and I remember I've had conversations with my father, with other people as well, and I'm I'm trying to show them like how look how much our minds have been shaped and molded by this idea of money. You know, look how we are unable to even conceptualize how we might live without it or what life could be in an alternative with an alternative view or a different way or or something other than this. You know, this the idea of money is is such a deep, deep spell that's been cast on the human race. It's it's incredible. It's so profound. You know? It's so profound. It really is. Um, and you try and talk to people about it, and uh, they don't want to know. You know, money. Nobody's going to talk about money. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody. No, Nobody. Beca- because <laughs> what, what you're just what you're describing there, Adam, is that you've gotten to the very heart, or the mm-hmm. I, uh, heart is a bad word. You've gotten to the engine yeah. of the system. Yeah. And yeah. the and as Alan also often pointed out, without it, or the idea that it might be taken away, or you might not have enough. What is that? It's the ultimate fear. The ultimate fear, the fear of of, of immediate annihilation, as mm-hmm. Alan called it. And um, this would come about if a person, yeah, you know, if you run out of money, yeah, yeah, don't have enough, can't control your circumstances enough. Well, we yeah. have come up on an hour, believe it or not, and uh, yeah, it just wow. it flew by. But this, I, I was, I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I think that you have raised some really thought-provoking points here. Good. good. It wasn't um, <laughs> the, the concept is not perhaps as fleshed out as I thought it might be, and I think today has been a, a difficult one. I'm I'm pretty tired, and I'm pretty. Th- thinly spread at the moment, so my mind is a little cloudy. Well, let um, me just say this yeah. about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. I like to cook, and, and years and years ago, I, you know, follow different cooking shows or read cookbooks or whatever, and I saw um, Julia Child, who, by the way, besides being a famous cook, got her start in the OSS. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but any, yes, exactly. So, Julia Child, in her uh, no nonsense way, put it across. She said, never, ever apologize for a meal that you put on the table. No matter what has happened, what it, how it could be better, how it could be different, don't apologize because you have just done something that not a lot of people are willing to do. And so I will say to yeah. you, do not apologize for being tired or not having the thoughts as organized as you'd like them, you know, because, Adam, how many people are willing to sit down in front of the mic and put their words out there knowing that other people are going to hear them? Yeah, true. It's true. And I said that to myself before I started. I was like, oh, man, I'm not in the right frame of mind to do this today. I thought, yeah, who cares? Just do just go do the, go do it anyway. It's better <laughs> to do it than to not do it. And I don't want to leave you hanging with no with nothing to put up on Friday. You know? Well, I mean, and, it's actually um, Thursday, so it might. It's your Friday though. By the time it gets up and you look at yeah, it, I'm yeah, sure. My, 
Well, listen, I will sign off on this uh, talk. I hope that everyone has enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it, and I'm going to actually go back. I will post that uh, interview that Alan did with the InfoWars crew, which is really less of an interview than it is just Alan talking. Yeah, well, yeah. That's no it. There's no questions. Yeah, exactly. It's just Alan talking. And the amazing thing about Alan is he could literally talk. If you, you know, if he had enough coffee, he could talk for 20 hours. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode with Adam and I will wish you well. Have a good week and I will be back soon. Well, I've got something.